Tom Bernard Show with Doug Smithall, Ellie Nick, Tony Price, Andy Brent Bernard, Cassie Schrader. And we'll be right back, kick off Hour 3, Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Anyway, Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com with Doug Sprinthal. So I have to tell you a, a quick funny story that will lead into my point. The 4th of July is a week from today, and my lovely bride, Sarah, is born on the 4th of July. Really? Yep. She was at cool. a family reunion in Rockford, Illinois, where her dad grew up. And one of her cousins, uh, I'm, I was hoping he was stoned, said, Wow, that's so cool. Is your birthday on the 4th every year? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. No. So the point that I'm trying to make is it's parade time. And if you want to have a nice, fun summer parade car, what better place to shop than the cool car section on walzer.com? I've got to have to repopulate it, but we've got about 50 cars. Most of them are from Minneapolis. Some of the really testy ones are uh, located in Kansas. Convertibles, um, hot rods, all muscle cars, all kinds of cool stuff. It's my favorite section on the website. So in honor of my lovely wife, buy a car from the cool car section. Most definitely. And then hopefully someday somebody in her family get tall enough to go to the amusement park. <laughs> <laughs> go on all the rides. Not a lot of basketball players in the Polanski clan. <laughs> Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. Talking to Catherine. Oh, you're talking to Catherine? Why you give te- me that look? She keeps, <laughs> she keeps texting me. What is, why is she texting About you? these damn garage door Tell windows. Tell her you don't want them. I already told her that a hundred times. I don't know what her deal is right now. She's unbelievable. I, had, You know, Andrew, you know that I love your, your mother more than anybody on earth. <laughs> but she tests me some days. Mm-hmm. It's like, I love you, dear, but let it go. Just let it. I'm not good at letting things go either. So if I'm telling you to let it I go, even she the, I even a little weird. Do you think she might be pregnant by any chance? <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> look at that look. That'd be quite the miracle in a number of reasons. I finally, after reasons. ten years, I've Tom, caused Tom to be speechless. <laughs> that is very true. Yeah, if she was pregnant, it would be one of the biological miracles of the human race. It's true. <laughs> well, Brigitte Nielsen just Brigitte had a kid. 54, right? 54, yeah. 54, 55. Yeah. Well, but uh, Brigitte Nielsen hasn't it. had a hysterectomy, so I mean. 
That okay, that's a little too much sharing. <laughs> oh, I look Catherine, at I'm sorry I started it. At Doug Sprinthal, Paulsautomotorgroup.com, oh, you can send your complaints right there. Hey, I just had a tooth removed. It's not that big a deal. <laughs> not the same. Oh, My wife God. does say that every once in a while when I complain. She goes, look at me and go, shut up. I had two kids. Yeah. You know, Catherine's no, just, mad at me because I have a I have a couple of caps in my teeth, mm-hmm. right? And one of them, I made the huge mistake. I couldn't get a package open, so I tried to rip it open with oh, my teeth, no. pulled the cap yep. right off the tooth, and Catherine got really mad at me because I just glued it back in. Oh, Loctite Ultra Gel works. <laughs> like that's it'll, it'll last the rest of your life. It'll work, yeah. The rest Loctite, of your life. Yeah. I mean, that's as long Ultra as you gel. get it on there correctly. That's yeah. yeah. Use that Loctite Ultra Gel. It'll, it'll got, last yeah. the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so hilarious. Loctite because it's like, Ultra Gel. Yep. Yeah, it's it, it actually is. It's amazing stuff. Get little the sides you squeeze. This it's phenomenal. Is, see this skull right here. Don't be showing off your penis. No, but <laughs> see this skull? I'll take your word for it. No, see this skull? <laughs> That's been on there for, for 10 years from Loctite Ultra Gel. Wow. I didn't right. even know it existed 10 years ago. Yeah. I thought it was a newer product. Nope. Oh. We have to get Tony out of here because he's going to spend some time bullets. with his family because yeah. he's leaving on Monday. My, my buddy right. made that. So, Handmade. Uh, L.A. Nick wants to hear about P9. I do. Uh, P9, P9 or P9 P9 story. P9 story. Well, P9. Uh, yeah, P9, exactly. <laughs> I like these old For those stories. of you who are wondering why I'm being asked about this, I grew up down there in southern Minnesota, and I recall seeing what happened when the Minnesota governor called out the National Guard. Oh, yeah. And they stood in uh, elbow to elbow around the Hormel meat packing plant in Austin, Minnesota, and that's a massive place. Yeah. I think I tried to do the math on it once, and I think it takes up something like 36 square blocks. It's a massive Man. Massive place. And Austin has a, less than 20,000 people now. Back then, I think it was about 25,000 people, which isn't a big deal. But, um, yeah, the, in, in, uh, they built a new plant using money that was borrowed. The corporation built a new plant using money that was borrowed from the rank and file of the P9. The P9 was the name of the local union at the time. Right. And then uh, as they moved into the new plant, their contract got close to its end. And as it got closer and closer to the end... Uh, depending on who you ask, you'll get different answers to this. But uh, basically, the company was saying, well, you know, that 15-minute break you got, we're only going to give you 14. And, you know, you want to go to the bathroom, you got to wait till your 14-minute break. And, and oh, little, little nuisance stuff that often happens with big companies. And, uh, you know, when it came time to renew their contract, then the company said, we need to be more competitive with the market. We pay better than any other meatpacking plant in the country. So we need to lower the introductory wage to, of all the employees. And I think at the time, the introductory wage was something like $13.69 an hour. Mm. And they wanted to lower it to something like ten fifty. Um, so they just, the, the union rejected the offer and they voted to strike. And the short story is the strike lasted long enough to for the union to be dissolved. They, they voted to go on strike in August of 1985. Mm. And they were still on strike in well the you know they <laughs> the actual P9ers are probably still on strike. Um, but uh, they they decided to the company decided that they were going to hire non-union people. I want to say the week of the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday in January. Yeah. So that's when the protests around the plant started to get a little hot right, and heavy. Scabs, scabs start coming in, that's hitting guys, when, throwing stuff at them. That's, yeah. 
That's nice of you to say it so politically correct. Oh, like that. Uh, there was, there were, uh, you know, uh, tacks and nails and broken oh, glass thrown like on the road. There was cars rolled over. There was windows broken. There was. People, people I heard beat up. one story of a cat that was decapitated and the head was put on the dash of somebody's car. Oh my god. Um, and actually, that was only about 10 years ago. So the fight's still going on down there. Really? Yeah. Mm. But the, I, I want to say it was the week of Martin Luther King Jr. in January of 1986 when the governor called out the National Guard. And the National Guard stayed there until, I want to say, April, March or April. And uh, a lot of this is, I haven't looked at my notes for quite some time, but I did an awful lot of research on this. I was there for that. So I was living around there and all the people I was drinking with were all from there and I grew up down there, and my dad worked at the plant down there, and and I have I have family on both sides of that. So I have uh, uh, my dad honored the line, but he had 37 years in at the time of the strike. Uh, but I had a first cousin who had been working there for three years, and he wasn't sure how he was going to feed his family. So he decided to cross the line when they started hiring non-union oh, people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there are stories of uh, there's two brothers that both worked for the union, and when the strike happened, one brother decided to toe the line, and the other one decided to cross it. Oh god! And I've heard that those two guys haven't spoken to each other. Oh, for, I'm sure they haven't. Unions, unions yeah. are like a brotherhood, man. Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, you can still go down there today, and I want all the listeners to know I'm not suggesting that you do this. But you can still go down there uh, and go into any bar and just elbow up to somebody sitting at the bar and say, them P. Winer sure were a piece of work, weren't oh, they? Oh, P. Winer's good That's, idea. That was their nickname, P. Winer's. Oh, the, the, well, the anti-union side right. referred to them yeah, as P. Winer's. Right, right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you go – you, and then just step back. Just, you say it to the wrong person, man. You get no, your no. <laughs> <laughs> If you just say it to anyone – Within 15 minutes, there'll be a fist fight. Really? Yeah, just say it to somebody and then back up and watch what happens, and, and there will be a fight in that bar. Yeah, Still to sensitive, this day. Sensitive stuff. So some man. interesting things happened. At the, to, to end the union, excuse me, to end the strike, uh, the union was dissolved, and a new union was formed, and the new union signed a contract with the company, giving the company everything that they wanted. And that's ostensibly what happened. The officers of the union were literally run out of town. They were told they had 48 hours to get out of town. Um, Jesus. It was, well, at least uh, they weren't killed. That's what happened on the East Coast. Yeah, they, they, killed. Have, they killed them, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it was a big mess. It's, it's, You know, I think the introductory wage down there is still like 12 an hour. Yes, yeah, it's close to uh, that. I know that I, I've looked at real estate values down there, and real estate values before the strike were, for the average house in that town, was about $35,000. Today, the average price of a house down there is about thirty-eight. So Thirty-eight. Yeah, it's been thirty-two years since it happened. So that's right. changed a lot. I'll move down there, man. <laughs> I will yeah. tell you my longevity with that company. I remember we being a little kid, and there would be commercials on TV for Spam, and oh, the sure. tagline was Spam, made by George Hormel. Do you know who sells the most Spam in the world? Oh, Hawaii. Oh, Hawaii. Hawaii. Yeah, Hawaii. Yeah, they have a whole aisle. It's huge. The entire aisle of grocery stores span. But, yep. When, when I was, was a kid, spam. Hormel had a first name. His name was George Hormel. Yeah, it was <laughs> oh, yeah. It was My amazing. little sister, from the time she was five till about seven and a half or eight, every morning for breakfast, she had the same thing dry toast and cold spam. It was the most disgusting uh, thing in the world. Dry toast I, and colds. Why did she like it cold? That's, well, I, she was my spam. I She's an attorney spam. now. That explains it. Because I'll tell you what, honestly, God, spam and eggs is phenomenal. I tried frying my spam, and it just becomes too rich. Yeah, I just doesn't work for me. I just eat it cold. 
You do. Yep. Spam, 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 spam. East Coast, we have Scrapple. Yeah, oh, yeah, Scrapple, our, yeah. Scrapple's oh, yeah, awesome. Yeah. Never had Scrapple. Scrapple's the best. Or pork roll. So in closing on the Hormel story, the Hormel family is all living a wonderful life in the <laughs> well, sure they are. higher end of Phoenix. In Phoenix? Uh, the, the descendants of the original George. Right. Yeah, yeah. George Hormel. Well, sure it seems to me that life. George Hormel was the the first two generations of that company were both George. Yeah. And that yep. went, I, I think the second George took it all the way to 1952. The company started like 1890. Right. Hmm. Yeah. It's, and it's yeah. actually pronounced Hormel, right? Well, it depends on where you're from and what you listen to. Oh, really? Because if you're from there, like I am from there, I say Hormel rhymes with normal. Yeah. But if you listen to their advertising... Hormel. They all go out of their way to pronounce it Hormel. They do. Yeah. That sounds fancier when you say Hormel. Hormel. <laughs> Until you add the well, spam on the end. The problem you've got is if, if you pronounce it Hormel, it sounds way too much like horrible. So that's why they changed yeah. it to Hormel. Probably. I, More Hormel. Feeling. I don't know. I'm just from there, so I say Hormel. Yeah, that's, that's, well, that's the family name was pronounced Hormel. Yeah. yeah. So that reminds me. Do we get... How much time we got here? We got two and a half minutes for a quick story. Absolutely. A quick story. You reminded me of it when I said, when we were talking about George Hormel in uh, southern Minnesota. Uh, I've got a little bit of a connection to Abraham Lincoln. You do? eh, A little tiny bit. Um, Turns out when Abraham Lincoln was assassinated, when he actually passed away when he was in the room across the street from Ford's Theater, there was a whole bunch of people in there. And one of the people that was in there was a union surgeon named Wilston. Dr. Wilston. Okay. Before Wilston was there with uh, uh, the dying president, he was with the Union Army floating around in the Civil War. And okay. one, almost exactly one year earlier, he was in uh, near Chattanooga, Tennessee. Chat- yeah, Chattanooga, Tennessee. About 50 miles west of there, there were 50 people from the Illinois Infantry assigned to guard this little stream to prevent the Union Army from coming across it. Yeah. And uh, what happened was at the crack of dawn, there was about 2,500 rebels decided to cross it, and it was being guarded by 50 Union soldiers. So about half of them scattered into the woods, and and about a third of them were killed, or 25% were killed, and and 12 surrendered. And they put up their arms, and they put down their guns, and the rebel army said, nah, we're not taking any prisoners, and they just shot them all. And then while they were laying there on the side of the road, as as the rebels were walking past, they were mutilating the bodies. They were kicking them in the head and hitting them with the muskets and and stuff like that and just really being disrespectful. Well, the next day, that's when the Union Army showed up and they were burying the dead. And what happened often with these Civil War stories like this is there would be a mass grave. Mm -hmm. So they were actually throwing the dirt on these 12 guys that were all being put in the same hole. And this Dr. Wilston shows up and he says, hold on a second. There's still life in this one. And they actually pulled him out of the dirt. He was unconscious for six weeks. It took him a year and a half to recuperate in the hospital before he could walk home. So he walked home from Pennsylvania back to Chicago, or back to uh, Lena, Illinois. Um, and he got there just in time to watch his wife die from pneumonia. Oh, and his, <clears throat> his name is David, David Butler. And David Butler's wife died, and he had two sons that were 8 and 10 who didn't know who he was because now he's missing half his teeth, and his nose is on the side of his face. He's walking with a limp. He's about three inches too short. He's got all these problems, So, and his wife died. Well, he met a woman named Charlene who was a widow from the Civil War, and her husband actually did die. And the two of them got married, and they had three more kids. And the youngest of these was a girl named Mabel. 
In 19, excuse me, in 1892, when Mabel was 17 years old, David died from pneumonia. And being 17 years old and her being a single mom, uh, Charlene decided to make an, get an arranged marriage happening. And she found a farmer named George who would marry her daughter. He was 25, she was 17. And the two got married. And George decided to take the family to Iowa. Anyway, they're doing their thing, being farmers in, in north central Iowa. And they pop out about seven kids. And the third son was a fella named Emery who heard about George Hormel up in Austin, who was about 40 miles north. And he said, oh, there's jobs up there. Anyway, by the, it's worth mentioning that Mabel died of the great flu epidemic that was given to us by France in 1819. Or 1918. 1918. Uh, and she was 36 when she died. Yeah, life sure was fun back then, huh? <laughs> and then he died, and then she died, and then... It's getting better. Anyway, Emery found a woman named Gladys, and he went to work for the George Hormel Company. And they popped out a bunch of kids. And their third son's name was Keith, and that's my dad. Oh. That's your dad, really? That's my dad. Good so God. David Butler, who was pulled out of the ground in the Civil War, is my great-great-grandfather. What a story. I, I, I heard yeah, I that couldn't story. I not remember all and, that. Oh, I uh, remember it all. No, I'm saying, I, if it was my story, I couldn't remember all those details. No, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't even know the names of all my cousins, yeah. so it's like... I can name oh, one. Oh, listen, I've got 150 nieces and nephews, and most of them I wouldn't recognize if they walked in the room. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but uh, that story is... It, yeah, I've kind of... Well, I did a lot of research to... Whatever his name was. The doctor? Yeah. Wilston? W-I-L-S-T-O-N. Good thing he was walking along. Yeah, because yeah, you true. guys wouldn't have anything to talk about if I wasn't here, that's right? True. We'd <laughs> just be sitting here in an empty room in it's, silence. People yeah, want to come so to Grumpy's on about garage doors. So I guess we're yeah. all, all on vacation next week, huh? Uh, no, because you're going to Grumpy's at 6 a.m. on Monday. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. And, and you're going to listen to a fire I go to bed about 6 a.m. Listen, it's worth also mentioning, if you don't mind my saying this, uh, I bumped into some people from DART, the DART Transit. Yeah, yep. Transit yep. company with a couple thousand dark trucks running around, and mm-hmm. uh, and they've got a couple of these trucks that are are decked out to be real patriotic tractor trailers. Mm-hmm. They talk about uh, yeah, freedom. So freedom those. is fragile. Yeah, yeah, they're they're talking. They're going to bring one to Grumpy's for us on. Oh, that's very on yeah. Monday. Seen those running and, around. And they're talking about joining us along the ride on a lot of different stops. Dark's really grown up that's to be a very matured to be a big company. Yeah, Tony I, Price, I, I like ladies them. and gentlemen, uh, Monday, 6 a.m., they're going to fire them up, and they're going to be gone, and we'll hear from you while you're on the road, right? I sure hope so. Sounds great, Tony. Thanks for staying along. Be safe, man. Great stories. We'll be back. Tom Bernard Show. This is Tom, and I want to tell you a story about camping. A guy named Tim, his back pain, and his angry wife. You see, Tim went camping with his family, but he aggravated his recurring back problem a couple of days before when he was golfing with his buddies. His wife had to set up the campsite and do all the heavy lifting, and Tim couldn't do a whole lot with the two kids. Tim was not a happy camper. And neither was his wife. The following Monday, Tim's wife got him an appointment at Hopkins Health and Wellness Center, a DMR method clinic. Their team of physical therapists and chiropractors figured out what was really wrong with his back, quickly got him out of pain, and taught him how to keep it from coming back. And what did Tim say was the biggest benefit of finally handling his back problem? Happy wife, happy life. DMR clinics are a group of physical therapists, chiropractors, and allied medical spine specialists that can help you feel better fast. They have a 96% success rate. It's covered by insurance, and you don't need a referral. They have convenient locations in Hopkins, Woodbury, Rogers, and Blaine. For a free consultation, go to dmrmethod.com. That's dmrmethod.com. 
I'm Brad Huckle, president of North American Banking Company. Ask one of our bankers what they love about business banking. They always say the relationship with a client. Case in point, True North Oral Surgery and Implants is a longtime customer with a growing practice. Their banker, Julie Marshall, knows the ins and outs of what they do. So when they need working capital, an equipment loan, or funds for expansion, they call Julie. Are you looking for a banker you can count on? Give us a call. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company? A better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. All right, everybody sing along. <laughs> I don't even what song this is. Never can yeah. oh, say when are we going to get good music back? I don't know. Because like real music, like sucks. real artists to do real stuff. I think people are getting sick of like the endless stream of hip-hop, R&B kind <laughs> of stuff. Same, I, I heard it's a song the other day. Song. I'm not kidding you. It was four words the whole entire song. Yeah, well, there was bitch and whore. <laughs> yeah. Two words. <laughs> it was every song's about bitches and whore. No, this one wasn't, like, but it was, it was the same four words the whole song. Around the world? And I was like, who would, who would listen world, to this? How can you listen to this song? I was putting together a playlist last night. I was really bored of funny hip-hop tunes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. just, the Humpty Hump? Well, Humpty Hump, some Flight of the Concord stuff. I've got oh, hurt Flight feelings. Oh, Flight of the Concord is really good. Uh, I've got uh, hurt feelings. The theme from uh, Ping Pong Playa, I Like Cereal, which is a great well, one. See, yeah. I like the old school hip hop because yeah. they kind of incorporated funk and R&B right. into yeah. it. Back when they but sang and not just, just talked. Like no, this new just... stuff, it's like, it's, it'll be like microphone, microphone, teacup, teacup. It's like, it's just, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like, oh, what, 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 what is this? It's like it was made by robots who just like take random it, it's just random. It's right. Them. It's rhythm. It's, yeah. it's just Andy, random nouns in a rhythm. See if yeah. you can find "I've Got Hurt Feelings" by Flight of the Concords. You can just oh, listen to I'm it. I'm sure I can. Flight of the Concords is great. Yeah, Art Bart is. was just sitting in that chair last week. As a matter of fact. Oh, really? Wow. Art Bart might hurt their feelings. All right. Have you guys ever had hurt feelings? Some people say the rappers don't have feelings. We have feelings. We have feelings. Some people say that we are not rappers. We're rappers. That hurts our feelings. Hurts our feelings when you say we're not rappers. Some people say the rappers are invincible. <laughs> invincible. We're invincible. What you are about to hear are true stories. Real experiences. Autobiographical raps. Things that happen to us. All true. Bring the ride. I make a meal for my friends. Try to make it delicious. Try to keep it nutritious. Create wonderful dishes. Not one of them thinks about the way I feel. Nobody compliments the meal. These guys are just brilliant. <laughs> they really are. See, this is, this is real stuff, man. This new stuff that's out right now, I don't get it, man. The funny thing is, and I never paid attention to the music, and then I bought one of the records, and I'm like, this stuff, they're really talented. Yeah. You, you want to hear something that really disturbed me? You know, I had a couple, I had a, couple, a bunch of private events in the bar, and elite crowds of, like, Minnetonka, all white people, and they they send you their their playlist, mm-hmm. and it is the most vile stuff that they wanted to hear. And, it's funny. About and you that. know what I did? What I told them I can't. I said I can't play half these songs. You got no. some suburban gangsters coming in. <laughs> yeah. I said I can't play them. I said I can't play them. I said the the, the, the language in these songs I just can't play. Yeah. I'm sorry. Unless you buy out the room. Yeah, buy out the room. <laughs> That's yeah, just there you, you only. Then one, I can play them. One of my favorite things is because people like that. 
think they could, oh, I know all about the, no, you don't know anything about the university. You would never survive five minutes because 10-year-olds would bilk you out of everything you got. They think that that music makes them tough and cool and, I don't, I just don't get it, man. I don't either. And then you see you, you see them at red lights downtown with their windows down. Yeah, sing the ra- rapping like at the top of their lungs every day. Basically, every day. See, every maybe day. you should have played another flight of the Concord song. It's called "Too Many Dicks on the Dance Floor." Yeah, <laughs> it's really funny. I don't. I didn't know that was Flight of Concords. Yeah. Oh God, Flight of Concords. Magnificent show. Too many dicks. Too many dicks. On the not dance enough chicks. It's <laughs> really funny. Too many dicks and not enough chicks. Um, my big, I guess, disappointment is. That rap music replaced R and B, which I'm not yeah. happy about at all. I, I, it didn't make an impact on me until my last trip to Europe, and I was in this little town in Italy, and I was on a train, and there was this little kid, and a little kid like six or seven years old, with his dad, and the kid's wearing a pot leaf hat. <laughs> okay, a, no, pot no, leaf. a pot leaf hat, and like has that. it on like a gangster, and. I I had to ask his dad. We we're in in one of those little cars, like mm-hmm. a little broom in the train. Right. So you know they're sitting right across from us. So you start you know having conversation. The father spoke English, and we were, I was talking to him. And I can't help but notice you're a bad father. No, I just I got no. I just, I just questioned. I just questioned. Him. I said, hey, uh, you know, like a kid his age would never wear that hat in America. Yeah. And, and, unless you lived in the inner city or right, you're, right, you know, a gangster, right. you know, family or something. Yep. I said even that, you know, a kid that age just wouldn't wear that hat. But there, there, he goes, oh, my son loves rap, rap music. Oh God! And that's when, it, and and I said, really, what's he listening? And, and he told me all the stuff he listened to. And it was all gangster stuff. And that's when it hit me that how much of a bad influence this country in the music business oh, is 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 affecting the whole world. Have you ever listened to Arabic rap? I've it's seen it. It's the most yeah. weirdest sounding thing in yeah. the world. What is it? Arabic. Well, Arabs. That, yeah, you know, they have rap rap. They rap? Are, oh, yeah. There's, there's a really... There's rappers from pretty oh, yeah, much any a, country in the world. There's a real famous Arabic rapper. Like, big. He's big. And there's a real famous Italian rapper. Only one. But really? he's But he's big. Really? Yeah, he's really. I didn't big. even know that. I hate that music so much. And they're all white. They're all white. Yeah, they're white. Of course, they are. I didn't know there was an Arabic rapper. Oh yeah, it the sounds only, like his guys the, the only country cold. it's really pushed down is Japan. Yeah, it, yeah. it doesn't really do exist hip-hop. in Japan. They're knowing. The Japanese, Japanese have got, They've kind of cornered the the market on bad music, though. Holy. God. Yeah, they they now they follow all Australia. It's all J-pop right now, which is very. It's all the same. Well, the last time I was in Japan, all they played was Katy Perry. Everywhere really? you went. And they, J-pop you know, they, is they, a lot like they, Katy Perry. They, they, they amplify all the streets. They pipe in music on every street. Yeah, right. And they right. played, I heard, heard Roar the Lion like every five minutes. I was like, <laughs> I wanted to kill Lion. myself, what Katy about, Perry. What about Roar. Kiyo Sakamoto there, Doug? And guys, okay. very dead. Yeah. Well, Japan is a strange country, though. Yes, it is. They have very strange. They are, it's only strange because they don't want you there. No, they don't the want problem. you there. No, they, they don't do want not you want you there, no. man. Unless no. you're Japanese, they don't want you. It has to I be the most racist they look country. Around, go, okay, all the foreigners are gone. All right, let's have a cold one and just relax. Maybe <laughs> it has to be the most racist country in the world. It's who, up there, that's yeah. for sure. I had a friend whose father, when he was young, was transferred to Japan, and he had to be there for like five, six years, and they had to put like a ten-foot wall with spikes on it around their house because the Japanese people did didn't not like want them. When no. was this? 
Uh, probably like shortly 30, after 35 the World years War II. <laughs> yeah, about thirty-five years ago. Well, yeah, just, I can definitely. See I don't that. know if you ever watched the video I made on Fukushima, but I'm in a in a in the Fukushima station, and I ask every single person for help with directions. Not happening. Nobody would even look at you, <laughs> Not man. Happening, man. Watch the video. That nobody That's would even hilarious. look at you. And the one kid goes, no English. And I'm like, come on. Because I knew he spoke English because yeah, he said yeah, no English. Because he said no English. Right. I have a question for you. Along those lines, why is it so hard for people now, and it's people of all ages, well, people of ages on 50 and under, they do not want to make, well, like walking in the halls here, they don't want to make eye contact with you, and they will not say hello. I have what to is say, that? I have to say something about that, because I've noticed a difference now since I have, I, live, I still have the house downtown, and I have your old house in Dayton. Mm-hmm. In Dayton, everybody says hi to you. They, comes right, they walk yeah, right up they to do. you. Not to me, but to you. But they walk right up to you. And, you yeah. know, hey, what's you know, yeah. what's your deal? Like they, like, it's, it's like you're, I feel like I'm in a different country no, because they actually walk up to you and say something to you. But yeah, in Minneapolis, they will literally put their hand up next to their eye like it's this, true. so they can't see you. It's true. It's crazy. It's really. It's even really your disturbing. neighbor, like I mean, they they won't they won't make eye contact. I and, had a. I okay. thought it was just me because no, of the way I oh, look. No, 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 but Nancy no. tried it, said Everybody. hello to like 50 people in a day. Nobody would say hi back. There's Nobody a, said hi to Nancy? Nope. There's a guy in the hallway today. I, wa- I was walking one way, he was walking the other. And I looked over and noticed he was looking at me. So I looked at him and I went, How are you doing? He said nothing and just kept staring at Yeah, me. that's what they do. What the hell is Isn't that? Isn't that weird? That's it, really odd. It's the strongest in the city in Minneapolis, though. No question else. about it. Not as much no in the Northeast, though. Northeast nope. will say hi to you. Nope. North Minneapolis. And St. Paul will say hi to you. Yeah, they will. Absolutely yep. they will. Because they're all Catholic. But not downtown. <laughs> no, downtown, forget it. Yeah, forget it. Or apparently in the hallways here. I haven't noticed that. Well, I, we'll have to run some experiments. I think on they're the way all out. scared to death of everything in life. I think you're I right. Think they are. It's all fear. That's exactly yeah, what it is. They fear. Just, they're afraid to say hello to you. Yeah. I think you're right about that. I, what could it, you possibly be afraid of saying hi to somebody in the hallway? I, I don't, don't know, but they either. are, man. I'm going to track you down later. Try it. I'm telling you. Deal. All right. No, I will. Me and Nancy both did it. I told Nancy about it. I said, you know, I said hi to like 25 people today on the street. Not one of us said hi back. And well, I suppose it would be weird seeing somebody going, hey, hi, Well, Nancy's from North Dakota, so she says hi to everybody yeah, all the time. Right, right. And nobody ever I says do. hi back. I always ever. say hello, and nobody ever says hi She says hi to every person she passes on the sidewalk. So here's I tried what, it. Here's what I like. I live on a private road. You have to cross a bridge onto the road to get to my house. Now, there are a few other houses on the way back there. Um, here's what I like, though. It's a private road. It's posted, this is a private road. Only residents allowed. And there are always people walking there. And when I go for a walk, if I pass people on the road, they're on my road. And I go, how you doing? And they look away. And I, one of these days I'm saying, get the hell off my road. Get out. If so you're not going to be pleasant, get the hell off my road. Here's yeah. something interesting. Glad that I happens. got gates at the end of my road. That yeah, I, got a, I got a gate at the end of my road, too. Here's something interesting that happens on the river. Unless it's super crowded, if two boats pass each other, 99% of the time, everybody waits. Wait, each that's other. wonderful. Same with motorcycles. Yeah. yeah. Motorcycles yeah, are the same way. Scooters are like that, too. Well, Every motorcycle waves, No, if it's super too. crowded, then you're not going to just sit there yeah. and right. wave at yeah. everybody. That's kind of funny, because I get waved to by every guy who drives a Mustang. 
Yeah. yeah. Mustang drivers wave yeah. at each other. I, 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 know, I noticed the big difference, too, between the city and out, out in oh, where I'm difference. living now. The, in the city, always, I'm always on sport bikes, so only sport bikes will wave. They put their hand out like that yeah. to you. And, but, Harley guys but Harley won't. guys won't. But out in the country, Harley guys wave to you, too. Do they really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Yeah. Have you met all your neighbors yet? You meet, uh, like, I have met everybody except the horse vet. Mark Zastani. Oh, you haven't met... Daryl yet? I have not. Daryl's a great guy. Oh, yeah. Everybody says really he's a great, great guy, guy, but I haven't met he him is, yet. Yeah. And I tell you what, that guy must work 24-7. He does. Because there's a tractor trailer with horses pulling in there all oh, yeah. the time. Is Mr. Dest- Zestani still right across the street from you? Well, not the yellow house, but the one just uh, south of it. So next to the horse vet? No, one more. One more going. Oh, the guy with the, 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 guy with the cows? He's got cows. I heard he had cows. He's got cows. Huh? Yeah, and you know what? He has a small, little, tiny lot, but he's got cows. Yeah, he he was a boot maker. I know that's what he did. But I think he he was riding a bike back when I lived there. Yeah, he's a nice guy so. too. Really nice guy. I, I don't think he's riding anymore. No, probably. Yeah, maybe not. But yeah, really a pleasant. Everybody guy. I've met, and you know what? That's like a little family on on that road. Everybody on that road, except when I lived there, keeps that road contained. They do. Yeah, it's true. You know. They do. And you loved growing up there, didn't you? Mm-hmm. It was wonderful place to raise Listen, kids, I, man. I'll, I'll tell you what. I live there if I could afford it. I'll tell you what. It's a nice place to live, and it, it has great roads. And those little windy roads have really high speed limits. Yeah, it's, yeah, awesome. it's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Which is why every spring we'd hear we'd hear about someone's dad dying on his motorcycle, taking oh, the turn yeah. at 120 miles per yeah, hour. Yeah, but they, they have high speed limits, so you can't really get a traffic ticket and. You know, it's, so it's kind of cool on a sport bike because you, can, well, you can't like, really take those turns any faster what, than 65. Yeah. What cop is going to be patrolling out there, you know, with the, you know, one car every hour? Oh, I have gotten stopped. Oh, yeah? Yeah, taking cops stopped me. Really? Mm. And that's the problem out there. You have five mm. different kinds of cops in one section. I mean, I can't even get to my house without going through three cities within a half a mile. Remember the one the cops had to sit at our house that one Halloween, Andy? They Why? had a squad car. Somebody had threatened that they were going to do something because they, they were in costume, so I wouldn't see it coming, and they threatened me. So there had to be a cop car and two cops sitting See, and everybody thinks Tony Lee's funny, but he does stuff like that all the time. <laughs> Tony Lee. Well, the police department's yeah, very hot. They have a lot of hospitality. They told me, like, let us know when you leave the country. Oh, yeah. We'll stay oh, yeah. at your house. They're great. And, you know, which MPD would never do that. I bought them all their assault weapons. That's why they're so nice to you. No, they're nice to me. They are. They were. They were great to us. Even the cop that pulled me over didn't give me a ticket. They were. They were tremendous to get along with. It. Yeah, I really didn't have much. There was a couple of people. There's one woman just south of you, a few houses that hates yes, me. Yes, she doesn't like you. Oh, I don't She's know what still there. Like. What did I do to her? She's the first house not on the river. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. And she, I don't know what the hell I ever did to her, but she hates oh, me. Well, a lot of it was developing stuff and, and was a part of it. I actually spoke with that woman. Developing what? You guys were thinking about developing that property Oh, so time. if something comes and offers me a lot of money, I should just tell you. No. Right, right. That was her biggest beef, I think. Was it? Why don't yeah. you shut up there? <laughs> and now you that. live there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now she's stuck with you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm a very quiet person at home, so yeah. my neighbors... They, they, quiet here they have all while. left me... They've <laughs> all left notes... And sent me, or actually, she she actually nice sent people. me a card. They're that nice lady people. who hates you sent me a card. Yeah, tell her to kiss my <laughs> little ass. She sent me a card. 
uh, saying, Dear Nick, thank God you're not Tom. Yeah, and, say, and, <laughs> and, and, right and, they, and they all sent me letters and cards saying how nice the property looks. Because oh, yeah, I had the fence all divined and weed racked and all well, the grass cut. We didn't cut. know that those people, because I never go out there. I didn't, I didn't know those when people. When was the last time you've been out there? Oh, God, it's been 15 years. Yeah. Is it that long? You wouldn't yeah. even recognize that, anything. Then. I bet, so I bet you never true. saw, like, the bathrooms redone and the house no, redone? No, I never saw any of that. I've been that. I have not been in that house in 15 years. we got to take a break. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard. Just like all of you, I had been hearing about my pillow and was skeptical that it was as great as everyone says. Well, I received my first my pillow and I love it. It's very comfortable, stays in that same exact position all night. Fantastic. Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has a very special offer for Tom Bernard Show listeners. MyPillow is offering more than 50% off his four-pack special, which includes two premium MyPillows and two go-anywhere pillows. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first MyPillow. If you already know how great the MyPillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? Call 800-516-5146, use promo code TOM, or go to MyPillow.com. But make sure you use promo code TOM. Call 800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM. That's 800-516-5146, promo code TOM. Let's talk about good things. Does your car work? You got a roof over your head? You got kids, parents, a spouse who loves you, or a mate? These are the good things you have because you live in America, the country that has more immigration than any other nation on Earth. You have these things because the U.S. military stands at a wall and protects you from any person or thing that would take them away from you. The entire volunteer military that stands at the ready just in case. The greatest fighting force ever known on planet Earth. Every person serving in our military is ready to lay down their life for your freedom. And all too often, they do. I'm the executive director of the Gold Star Ride Foundation, an organization set up to do just one thing. Take care of families left behind when one of our brave fighters loses their life for you. We're riding motorcycles throughout the country to achieve this purpose, and you can help. Go to goldstarride.org and make a donation or learn where we are so you can come and ride with us. It's a small thing we do. It was a huge thing that they did. Goldstarride.org. That's goldstarride.org. Make a donation today. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Tom Bernard Show. Doug Spinball's here. Hello, Hello. Nick. Andy. Yeah. And our very special guest, Dr. Jim Roach. The book is called Vital Strategies in Cancer. It'll be released this fall. How are you doing, Dr. Jim? I'm doing well. Thank you. So I'll call you Dr. Jim or Dr. Roach? Or Dr. Jim Roach? Uh, uh, both. All are, all apply, please. <laughs> all applies. We'll get that done. Um, how long have you been working on vital strategies in cancer? I've been working on it for about a year and a half now. It's um, it's a labor of love, of course, as, as often these books are. Uh, yeah, I'm seeing such good responses uh, using integrated approaches with my cancer patients that I want to be particularly aggressive about get, getting that information out to the public. I mean, we can double outcomes in terms of using integrated strategies with chemotherapy. We can reduce side effects by half. I've been studying cancer for 12 years using integrative approaches. And and the good news is there's a lot of uh, good additional information that you won't get from oncologists that can be very helpful. That's a wonderful thing. So medicine just keeps improving, doesn't it, Dr. Roach? It does, absolutely. And, you know, I, I know the beauty of conventional approaches. I did conventional for 20 years, but also have been to 35 integrative uh, national conferences to learn 
true causes of uh, disorders, including cancer, and more effective remedies to add on to conventional approaches. And we're seeing a, a lot of progress. Uh, I'm very excited about where we are with cancer right now. I, I like your – first of all, I like the questions on, on the bio they sent over, who should get chemotherapy and who shouldn't. Um, I never even thought about that kind of thing, but I suppose that is true. Some people should use it, and some people get it, and some people shouldn't. Who shouldn't get chemotherapy? Well, uh, chemo works against rapidly multiplying uh, tumors. Right. So in aggressive tumors, then you definitely want to consider that. And so there's a test that's been used called Oncotype DX. It looks at 21 different genes. And so oncologists have used that to help determine um, individuals that uh, have uh, breast tumors, for example, you know, that particularly that are estrogen receptor positive and HER2 negative, you know, how do you decide which ones skip it? There's a range of zero to 100, and in the past we knew that if that was less than 11, that those individuals were low risk, they should not get chemotherapy. When it was above 25, we knew the chemotherapy was clearly indicated, but there was this gray zone in between there. So new research has come out in New England Journal that indicates that chemotherapy is not helpful in those individuals. Uh, so estrogen-blocking approaches, which is you know, a prescription approach that can be augmented with integrated strategies, uh, can um, definitely be helpful in those individuals. But when you add chemotherapy on top of that, it does not add any benefit at all over a nine-year period of time. Now, that said, in women less than 50, the chemotherapy might reduce the risk of distant metastasis and invasiveness, but the key is survival, and there's no impact on survival. I, I have to ask you a question because I, I just kind of read your, your bio here. And yep. wh- where did you grow up, first of all? Well, I live in the town I grew up in, believe it or not. I'm 66 years old, and I've been in Midway, Kentucky, Central Kentucky, horse mm-hmm. country, for 66 years. My town is 1,500 individuals. Your mother and father are really bright people. Uh, they were. They gave me a lot of inspiration. My father was a physician prior to. Oh, um, okay. So, in fact, he he gave free house calls to thoroughbred owners, and he traded that in later to raise seventy million dollars for the cancer center at the University of Kentucky. My mother was a social worker. We had Head Start in the basement of our house here in Midway when they couldn't find a location for it. That's very cool. Jack Canfield, author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, said to Dr. Roach, you have this amazing amount of knowledge. You are one of the most encyclopedic minds I've ever met. I literally can't talk highly enough about how much I think you are really doing good stuff in the world. That's a hell of a, that's really high praise, Dr. Roach, really is. Well, when I was talking to him, I was telling him all the supplements that I take, and and to be honest, uh, most days I take over 100 supplements, but that's because, you know, each herb has hundreds, if not thousands of beneficial nutrients. I think of them as vegetables. If we could offer our body 100 vegetables rather than five a day, offer a cornucopia for healing, then all the better. So I was on lots of supplements. Uh, Jack uh, heard all the supplements, and he was he's on a lot too, but he was not as many as I was. So he wanted me to explain about these others that, that he wasn't taking. And I gave him full explanations and kind of blew him away. And so I think he had started adding those into his regimen. I think it's wonderful, though, because my son is on the show, too. He's the engineer and one of the people on the air. And and he, you have a pretty encyclopedic mind, don't you think? I think. He amazes me all yeah. the time. Oh, How so? do you know that? <laughs> so where, where, where did yours come from, Dr. Roach? Your mother, your father, both? 
Well, uh, to be honest, it came from, well, I had a basic amount of intelligence. I had good parents. I had good, good grandparents. That's good. But really hard work. You know, I've put in over 12,000 hours of study in the last 15 years into reviewing research, and that's outside of my practice. And, again, I've been to all these integrated conferences, so I've just been in front of the computer for the last 15 years. So it sounds like I'm just naturally smart, but the bottom line is I've just studied this information so thoroughly that it, it's second nature to me now. Do you think Andy, um, my son's name is Andy, Andy, do you think yep. the, the fact that the advent of the Internet is was really perfect timing for you? Absolutely. It really I was. learned almost everything I know. I'll say, where did Andy Internet. get it from? It's a mystery. <laughs> I'm just gonna stare. I'm gonna stare at you for the rest of the day. I'm just telling you, because he is like brilliant. I mean, he's. Oh, yeah. My father was a genius. Could have been a scientist. Yeah, my father was was. I mean, very very high level of intelligence. So what happened? He was, so what he, happened? Was Ill. he was mentally ill. So what happened to you? I doubled down. <laughs> I got twice as smart as him. <laughs> Do you have to put up with that, Doctor Roach? People going, hey, "What happened to you?" I mean, you know, they, these people that with IQs of about eighty. You, you got to keep an eye on them. You know what I'm saying, Doctor? Right. Well, I'm fortunate. My office, the patients that I attract are very spiritual patients. They're patients that don't drink, they don't smoke. Right. They're interested in. We get patients from all over the country that come in. We had one that flew in from Hollywood, and so, so they're patients that want to be. I love to interact with them. And yep. I've had fifty-six patients with spiritual near-death experiences, so I'm constantly learning from my patients. It, it, was that part of your upbringing as well? You were a pretty uh, faithful family, a religious family. Well, you know, I grew up in a, a Christian uh, family, mm-hmm. but you know, in medical school, they try to beat that out of you. Know, oh you, yeah, you can't hear, feel, touch isn't real as far as medicine is concerned. And that's a, a problem with conventional medicine is that doctors, if they don't know something, then it must be your fault. <laughs> fault. I love that take on doctors it. Doctors learned all this wonderful thing from these great professors. So if they don't know it, it must be something wrong with the patient in terms of maybe they're making it up. Or, so I've learned to listen to the patient. Um, and really the, what changed me, patients started sh- uh, sharing these stories about their spiritual near-death experiences, and they report the other realm is more real than this realm. They get mad about coming back. They're not afraid of death anymore. They become very mission-oriented and focused. And you know, after you hear enough of those stories, I've heard hundreds and hundreds of others in terms of premonitions, intuitions, and so forth. And it, it's tied in with estrogen. The higher your estrogen level, the more intuitive you are. Really? And to be honest, uh, half of my serene, upbeat female patients report to me paranormal spiritual experiences like that half of them but they won't tell their husband you know often I'm why not why they think they're crazy because they, the husbands would think they were crazy or something is that true yes right yeah they would uh, oh you're yeah maybe you're crazy or they might send them to a mental health professional and there are times you know if if the patient gets an intuition to go out and kill people then yes they need to go to a mental health professional yeah but these are these intuition premonition are positive messages and, and uh, positive experiences that improve the quality of life. And it's, it's tiny with estrogen. The higher the estrogen level, you know, if you get a, a female with a really high-pitched voice, you know, that's high estrogen. Right. Those are the types of men that are going to be able to share stories with you. 
Now, Dr. Roach, I got to tell you, from the tone of my voice, I got no estrogen. <laughs> <laughs> Zero. You might have negative. Yeah, I might have negative. negative. So I'm not very bright, uh, Dr. Roach. We're going to have to stick with that, I guess. But I am. Um, Roach, your prefrontal cortex. So you're you're very bright. Absolutely. Okay. I've always liked you, Dr. Roach. 80% of us have too much estrogen. Um, males and females because really? we you know eat too many processed foods we're bigger than oh, our yeah. testosterone estrogen and the bpa and plastic bottles and so those all like act like estrogen so we have really? estrogen therefore more anxious panicky obsessive and but also that lowers our testosterone and so libido often is low with testosterone anabolic and anti-inflammatory so we're missing that most of us so you think the whole low t marketing thing is actually a real thing uh, as far as for testosterone support? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're, well, guess what? Vitamin D boosts testosterone. And in males, 20% one station. And in relation to you know, breast cancer, a brand new study came out a week ago showing that if yeah. you had really high vitamin D levels, your the incidence of breast cancer was 82% less. Really? And so why vitamin D is so important is it boosts testosterone and it blocks estrogen, which in excess promotes inflammation and anxiety. That's good to know because last time, last two times I had blood work done, they told me I was low on vitamin D. Everyone in yeah. Minnesota and, is, yeah, especially probably true. Yeah, and, probably and, true. And I have I have inflammation problems. No, Dr. Right. Well, so, yeah, I've done over two thousand blood levels, and for ninety-five percent of my patients, a thousand units per thirty pounds is a maintenance dose. So now there are exceptions: sarcoidosis, hyperleukemia, acrylymphoma, but. Um, and whenever you get vitamin, you get vitamin K and support for vitamins A and mm-hmm. a multivitamin. Doctor, let me just backpedal a little bit here, if you don't mind. So your patients are cancer patients, correct? I see a lot of cancer patients these days. Okay. Absolutely. I, the other, I see the patients other doctors can't fix. Good. It includes autism, includes ALS, but I see a lot of cancer. Here's what I don't understand. So if, if, if my loved one has cancer and they come back and they they're afraid to tell me that they had a, an exper- paranormal experience or a religious experience why wouldn't i support them they have cancer for god's sake why don't you let them let them be and and whatever they experienced why don't you honor that it doesn't make any sense to me i agree well I, to be honest males don't always make a lot of sense this is true if not 30 years to learn to listen to my wife and most of the time i do now and, and she's usually right but it takes us a long time psychologically to to accept that i think but yeah it's really key for cancer patients because for example if you implant tumors in mice and then you stress one group of mice there's a 30-fold increase in metastasis oh, sure. in the stress it makes a big difference. So we've got yeah. to get patients in a peaceful, spiritual place. And the question I ask to find out about these experiences is, you know, what is your life vision? What are your passions? Some people just look at you quizzically when you ask that question. <laughs> I say, well, it's my family, and it's God that's important. Those are the individuals, you know, half or more of the time, those females will have stories, and occasionally males will. But that's the group that, that you will learn from if you ask, if they trust you. 
How, I got a question. How, how I, 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 I've had a couple of friends die of cancer and my father-in-law, that kind of thing. I see the difference between how much money is going to large cell cancer research and how much money is going to small cell research cancer. Small cell is a death sentence. I mean, not many people survive small cell cancer. But no money goes to research of small cell cancer. Really? It only goes to large cell cancer. Is that a lot to do with profit for cures? From these big companies, well, or why is why is yeah. no money going to small cell research? And what you're referring to is lung cancer. The most common lung cancer is non-small cell lung cancer. But you're right; the real aggressive, the dangerous <clears throat> lung cancer. The one that kills it. Lung cancer, the ones that kill you rapidly. <clears throat> and right, you make money when you give medicines day after day. In other words, yeah, little incentive for pharmaceutical companies to come up with the cures. Because you can't, you know, you cure a patient and then you don't get any more money. But if you give something that treats the situation, for example, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, they get rid of your knee pain, but they inhibit healing because they block angiogenesis. So you have to take it day after day because it, you'll never get well because it inhibits the healing. So do you and think, so do you think they're blocking, actually blocking a real actual cure? That's right, because that's why we use non-steroidals, you know, like aspirin and the Celebrex in cancer patients, because it blocks angiogenesis, growth of blood vessels and tumors. But if you don't have a tumor, do you want to block angiogenesis, the ability to grow a new blood supply to provide nutrients to your joint? So, uh, correct, it, that's definitely my feeling that inhibits healing. And they did research comparing non-steroidals. This is, I saw this in The Lancet, the top British uh, medical journal. Uh, when they gave non to one group and they gave glucosamine chondrite to another group, you know, they did initial x-rays of the knees. And then three years later, they compared that. The ones that got the glucosamine chondrite, almost all of those were stable. The ones that got the non almost all of them were worse. Yeah. I have, I have a close friend right now. He's a bass player from an old band, 80s band called Black Sheep, and he has uh, got skin cancer. And he's – until he got spiritual and found his zen – he was doing very, very bad, and since he's got spiritual and found his Zen and had a, has a good support group around him, he's improving. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's I think, it's think he's still yeah. a death sentence. Yeah. Uh, so, but I have a small count, a small cell lung cancer patient right now. Actually, I've only seen her one time. Uh, she's low socioeconomic patient, and and her ex husband is the one who comes to my door once a week asking, you know, details in terms of what to do. And so I've been giving you advice for the last several months. She's now getting some immunotherapy in conjunction with the integrated strategies we're using. And guess what? On her last scans, there was no evidence of any cancer. And and the oncologist said that was the best scan he'd seen in six years as far as a small cell lung cancer. Yeah, because small so cell is death sentence. This in conjunction with the, the conventional chemotherapy, and particularly this was immunotherapy after the chemotherapy, uh, we may have looked with her. Sounds great. Dr. Jim Roach, when the book comes out, please come back. I'd love to talk to you. Doctor, are you there? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, so, so when the book comes out, please do yeah. come back. Thanks a lot, doctor. Absolutely. Bye. Bye-bye. It's going to do it. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tom Bernard Show.